0: Welcome to First State Copites, a podcast for Delaware's Liverpool supporters and their friends.
1: Hey, welcome. It's... August 22nd, that's the fifth episode of our fifth season. Uh, welcome, dear listener. I'm Paul. And today, delighted to be joined by our friend of the pod, uh, special guest Andrew Beasley, who um, some people might know better as bass tuned to red on, uh, on that thing that used to be called Twitter. Uh, also got a full house of Daz, Sean, and Justin. Uh, we're here to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about uh, the Bournemouth game. Uh, and in part one, we'll talk about the state of play in the Liverpool world, uh, trying to draw on some of uh, Andrew's expertise around some of the underlying stats. Uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll touch briefly at the end about our upcoming trip to that other Oil State team. Um, thank you much for joining us. Okay, so let's go. Part one. Um, really comfortable 3-1 home win over Bournemouth. Uh, Andrew, I'll start with you. Um I, let, let's go 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 with the stats because because I, I I from what I saw it looked really comfortable if you only looked at the the, the numbers um what, what I, am, am I reading that right let's start with that
0: yeah I think that's the case I mean obviously it always feels um a lot more difficult when you go behind so early and, and of course it was but but Liverpool still managed to sort of keep creating chances thereafter I mean I think I think Bournemouth are probably going to be better than they were. Last season, I think it's a similar situation to what we saw with Brighton a few years back. You know, Brighton stayed up in the the Premier League when they first came up under Chris Houghton. And then the owner of Brighton sacked Chris Houghton, and everyone thought it was a strange decision. But they had been somewhat fortunate to stay up because their their XG numbers and stuff weren't great. Um, And then he hired Graham Potter. And then although the points didn't go up sort of straight away, the, the sort of process of the team was getting better. And I think that's what we're going to see here with Bournemouth. Again, Gary O'Neill kept them up. Many thought he was unfortunate to be sacked. But you look at the, at the underlying numbers, they were really lucky to stay up. You know, they, they didn't play all that well. Yeah. You know, they, they had the game. I mean, obviously, I appreciate, you know, a lot of listeners may not watch Bournemouth every week, but they'll have certainly seen the game with, with Liverpool. And, and obviously, Liverpool weren't great that day when they lost 1-0, but they had a penalty. They missed all these sorts of things. Liverpool could easily have won that game, without even playing that well. But um, but as we know, they didn't. So I think with Bournemouth, we're seeing a similar thing to Brighton. They've, they've changed the manager and I think they will get better as a result, even if it takes a little while, at least in terms of the points. So, um, yeah, so so Liverpool did sort of create chances. But of course, on the hour mark or thereabouts, they go down to 10 men, controversial circumstances. Um, I don't think anyone really thinks it's a, it's a red card, but it happened and, and, you know, you have to get on with it and then obviously bournemouth had some chances towards the end as, as you would expect having the man advantage and stuff like that i mean it's it's credit to liverpool that they scored after going down to 10 because obviously that's not you know that sort of thing's not a given um so yeah i think it, the game sort of looked more even by the end but obviously you have to remember that a third of it um you know bournemouth had a man advantage and they and they're playing better than they were last season so i think liverpool can be reasonably satisfied Equally, um,
1: still quite a few things to work on. Yeah, a few things to pick up on there. Um, you said nobody thought it was a red card. It won't surprise you, perhaps, that on our coverage, uh, Tim Howard, formerly of Manchester United and Everton, thought it was a red card. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I don't know why they have these people on talking about us. Uh, it's like they have that Nader Manoa, Manoa guy on lots of shows, and he becomes a Man City fan every time he talks about Liverpool. It's a, it's bizarre. Um, Sorry. Uh, I, I got sidetracked. Um, clearly, there are a few things that were kind of worth picking up on. Um, you said not a lot of people will have seen Bournemouth. Um, there was a question, I think, in the first 10 minutes whether we'd seen much of the, the coaching staff had seen much of Bournemouth um, in the preseason in their first game. I'll go co- co- to you, Daz, on this. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think enough has been made of, actually, uh, like uh, kind of that first 10 minutes looking messy because we actually, even if we knew what to expect, we hadn't actually experienced what their press was going to look like. And we do know that their coach had won away at places like Barcelona and Real Madrid, presumably playing the same kind of organised chaos as Klopp called it, football. Um, what, what what do you make of the first 10 minutes, apart from the fact that it wasn't great? Well,
2: I think, <clears throat> I, think I put in our, our chat that had kind of had shades of early season last year um we had we had the warning signs early enough for us to be able to make an adjustment and it was very uncharacteristic of Trent in, in both of those situations but the fact that it was it was a little bit alarming that that three minutes in that had two, two opportunities one chalked off for off sides and then one obviously scored when it was when a, a lot of it was largely avoidable I just felt like it had again. It's the recency bias, uh, but it, 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 my my last season, Spidey sense started to tingle again. And but I, I I will say, just extrapolating from that, it was it was nice to see us kind of rise from that. Whereas last season, I think we would have shrank. This this uh, like within what uh, Verge hit the crossbar of a of a header in the six minutes. So like three minutes later, it was nice to see us come back with a response like that. But uh I I, in the way we played against Chelsea last week for large portions of the match too. I was, I I had some concerns. And uh yeah in terms of in terms of the way that the Bournemouth set up and the way that they came at us I I don't I know Klopp sometimes sometimes it takes a second to to figure out what his opposite number is doing in terms of tactical setups. Um but I don't think that this was anything that he shouldn't have expected. Uh, a lot of teams that I think that, that, that that mold has been is, is 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 out there now that if they can get at us within the first 10 minutes, they can put the cat amongst the pigeons. And I think that's what they did. Um, I think that Neil Atkinson was talking about the, the pressing stats that they had. And he seems to think that that was, that was by design that Liverpool were dangling carrots, allowing them to, to make those press, those presses playing a little bit of a high wire game, but, yeah um i think that that's something that's probably to be expected and uh, me and my and my dinosaur brain was yeah. was running around with my last two hairs on fire watching the first 10 minutes
1: yeah. I, th- I think neil also said something about when people have stolen your last six carrots you might want to abandon the caraplan. <laughs> um, which uh yeah um couple of specific things uh I think we, we could talk a, a lot about formation and maybe when we get to the Newcastle game we'll 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 kind of look back on picking the same team two weeks in a row when it definitely looked like uh it, like it looks like this team uh and I get your perspective uh, Andrew and I'll go to Sean um it looks like this team is uh kind of the the team formation that he's going to send out against teams that he think we should thinks we should dominate um and clearly we didn't against Chelsea but there was quite a lot of domination in this game. Um, what 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 are your thoughts, Andrew?
0: Yeah, it's just all it all seems a little bit erratic at the moment, doesn't it? Because obviously the, the the Chelsea game, sort of the first half an hour was was probably Liverpool's best period, certainly. I mean, could easily have gone 2-0 up. And then obviously this time around at home, you think, oh well, they'll, they'll be even better this week, and then they and then they start so slowly. I think they're still probably coming to grips with this this new formation and these uh you know the tactics of moving Trent inverted into midfield. I keep going back and forth on it on whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. Um, I'm probably too driven by, you know, the outcomes and the results and things like that. But, you know, as I say, it's sort of, there's been good starts, there's been bad starts just this season already. But I think you're right. I think they'll certainly look to play that way in games they expect to dominate, which will be a lot of, which will be a lot of games this season. Um, And, uh, you know, whether they'll go with it at Newcastle, obviously we'll we'll probably get to in due course. But um, yeah, I'm still not, entirely convinced by it, but um, it's it's having its good moments, but it's certainly having its bad.
1: Yeah. I, I watched it back last night. I'll, I'll go to you on the same one, Sean, and I, I have, there was something joyous, actually, about the way they played sort of before the sending off. And even the 10 minutes afterwards, um, they really had kind of Bournemouth pinned back. And, uh, you know, I think to, to Daz's point about the pressing stats, clearly Bournemouth um, ran out of energy at some point in, in this game. But but uh, like the way, like guess, Subozlay and Jota and Diaz, but kind of the interplay just looked um, reminiscent of another team I remember from a few years ago.
3: Yeah, I, I watched the game back. You guys know this, but I, I was traveling, so I couldn't watch it live. I was kind of following it live, and then I watched it back. And when I watched it back, I, I was pleasantly surprised because there was so much negativity around the game, I felt when it was going on um i i I, don't know, I i felt like we totally dominated the match after like the first 5 minutes like we had those i think it seemed like we were caught off guard by their press early i don't know why we were so caught off guard by that but um you know once we settled in after about 10 minutes or so it didn't really i didn't think it was a close match and then even after the sending off i thought we dominated it was weird we we almost picked it up a level for like 15 minutes or so and uh you know so you know it, it, it was it was interesting watching it back because my, my impression from the way everybody was reacting that was that it was much more even than it was um yeah i mean and i'm really interested to hear andrew's thoughts on the formation kind of in more detail because there's been a lot of talk around it i i don't really know what to make of it because now we've improved both, you know, eight positions and it, I don't know, kind of raises the question, like, do we really need to be doing this anymore? Like last year, I think it made sense because we were, we we needed more of that creativity in midfield to trend in there, but I'm not so sure we, we need that anymore. We need more defensive solidity now. So, um, you know, just kind of curious to hear your thoughts on that. And I know Justin kind of has, i think he has similar thoughts in terms of maybe the 433 is just a better way to go back to but not that our our opinions are going to necessarily motivate klopp or Lenders. Yeah. but um yeah. and just to build on that andrew i mean it
1: looked to me like they weren't actually playing that 3 box 3 on uh, on on saturday like trent was was, was as wide uh, as well at any point in the last 4 years uh, for a lot of the game
4: a trendy mm-hmm. map was basically as of a right back mm-hmm. he he yeah. he he stopped inverting after the second mistake yeah. um so they 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 cut that experiment out pretty quickly
0: and i, I think I, that's possibly the best way to go i mean obviously it you know i think it's easy to to look at formations as you know 433 or 3223 or whatever they happen to be and obviously just sort of mixing it up in the game is what's always happened. And I think it's in, it's probably important not to lose sight of that. I mean, certainly the case, you know, I mean, the, the mistake for the, you know, Trent's mistake early on was with him right in the middle, right in front of the, um, of the penalty area and things like that. I mean, in terms of the midfield, I think it's difficult because they're just, they're trying to find their way. You know, they obviously weren't expecting to sell both Fabinho and Henderson, but that's where we are. That's fine. You've got to get on with it. So they're sort of working out what they're doing. You've got McAllister, who has played and has certainly in a double pivot um, for Brighton. I don't think everyone's a sole six. And that's sort of what Liverpool are asking him to do. He may now be suspended for three games. I, I don't believe that's been resolved yet. But, you know, I think with our scepticism regarding referees and, and things, I, you know, most people would expect that to be upheld. So they'll be changing again for Newcastle. So, you know, it probably requires a run of games where they can get settled and, and things like that. But, um, I mean, my thing with Trent has long been, you know, best right back in the world, more or less, you know, certainly creatively, why would you change that? And I, and I started to come round to it at the end of, of last season. But one thing I've noticed with his creativity in this new role is that it's either really good or really bad it is sort of a certain inconsistency to it some of his best games of his career at least on the numbers have been since they made this change for the Arsenal game last season but then he created next to nothing in pre-season and obviously you don't want to get too worried about that because it's pre-season but I think he created four chances in the in the whole of the of the summer and, and Salah was 13 and other guys were up at sort of eight and nine and stuff like that. And then you look at the... Uh, I think he created a few against Bournemouth. Let me just double-check. Yeah, three key passes against Bournemouth, but none against Chelsea. So he either seems to be very involved or not involved at all and it just all needs to settle down a bit, but it, it's getting increasingly difficult with the further uncertainty in the midfield. So... It's hard to know which way to go with it, but um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people were wowed by the the new system initially and, and, you know, with good cause, but I think now a lot of fans are sort of questioning it and whether it's time to sort of abandon it. It's no bad thing to have in your locker, but whether it should be the sort of um, the primary thing they're doing every week, I'm, I'm still not sure.
4: I, I think that there's actually a problem with it that we didn't face much at the end of last season. Emory started to expose it, and now it's been exposed, which is Trent might not be press resistant, and that could effectively, you know, if you if you're if you're passing to your six and you're using your six as a as a player who's going to turn and create, is something that basically other teams can then see as a pressing trigger, which Bournemouth clearly did early on. You're uh, for lack of a better term, fucked. <laughs> like if you think about it like newcastle is going to press us right it's an eddie how team with Sandro tonali and bruno grimarish as your midfielders but trying to steal the ball quickly and thread it through to Isaac to alexander isaac right that's how they play that's 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 going to be their pattern of play and if they can find literally any scrap in a central area deep for us, in a deep central area for us they're going to go for it it's the type of thing where it's like the only acceptable midfield <laughs> the only acceptable midfielders you can play in that game are probably going to be endo anchoring and in reality if he's even remotely fit play tiago you need someone who can actually k- keep a foot on the ball and ensure that we have it because the issue that we had against chelsea that we didn't have against bournemouth and i i mean i still think we still slightly had it against bournemouth is we try to play too fast and too direct sometimes rather than take it like for us well, to play fast, sometimes we actually have to play slow and change tempo on teams rather than just being direct straight over the top every single time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think one of the other um things that that, that uh we've got, got an option for now, obviously, is to play an actual six. Um so so let's 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 do a quick um round on what you took from Endo's performance. Um um, whether whether you think, you know, well, I, I'm guessing he's playing his Newcastle with or without McAllister. Um, but w- were were you surprised? Was it a positive thing? Um, what and I, I, Andrew uh, uh, of the, anything the numbers about his performance w- would tell us that that auto to make us feel good about about selecting him.
0: Yeah, obviously, there's a lot of people sort of wondering a bit about him because I think uh, it was really interesting last week, just the way when the news broke, and obviously most fans are like, "Oh, some 30 year old from a sort of relegation threatened Bundesliga team," and then anyone who'd actually watched him play was like, "Oh no, this he'll be he'll be good for Liverpool," and, and things like that. And I think he, he's a sort of tough one to judge on the numbers, certainly from his previous um, club, because obviously he's doing a lot of defensive work because they were struggling. And you know his 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 total numbers, you know, or most recoveries in the Bundesliga and all this sort of stuff was because he was playing every week. And whilst that's true, you know, give me a midfielder who can play every week and who can do that defensive work, and I'm and I'm happy. You know, obviously it's it's going to be different kind of defensive work for Liverpool than for a team that's that's under pressure as much as as Stuttgart would have been. But the fact he's registering these numbers, even if it is because he plays every week, well, that's great for me because he's playing every week. Um, I mean, in in regards to the, the Bournemouth game, I mean, I don't think there was too much sort of spectacular to take from it. But I mean, he didn't give the ball away very much at all. Kept it pretty simple. And, you know, I'm all right with that. You know, there, there's McAllister and Saboslay and stuff are going to be able to be creative in the midfield in a way that Liverpool haven't had from their midfield for a long time. So a steady Eddie guy at the back of the midfield is 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 perfect. Now, whether Endo is going to be able to do this every week for Liverpool, we still don't know. But I think there's encouragement both in what he's done and slightly against Bournemouth to feel like, well, he, he's got to be worth a try, certainly. And with with you know the midfield issues Liverpool have had in the last sort of 12 months or so, that's no bad thing. Like I say, give me a guy who can play every week and rack up some defensive numbers, and I, I think he'll do all right.
3: Yeah.
1: Cool. Any, any other thoughts on Endo?
2: Yeah, <laughs> i, I, I the first thing he did was was come in and get a ball and, and play it simple. I heard, I think a friend of mine said that. he read an interview with him. He's like, look, I watched. I watched how quick this league is. So my first thought was get it shifted quickly. And I, one thing I pointed out to my son because he's he's been given an assignment for his for his his high school team is to is to take notes on on a person that's playing in his position. And the first thing that I said to him was like, watch what Endo does here. He's not got anyone picked up. He's closing down the lane, but he's baiting a trap. And they played a ball like a a vertical ball into someone, and he's like, "No, I'll have that." And he just stepped in like he made up the three yards, stepped in front of him, took it took it away from him, and we were off to the races. so and I, I agree one hundred percent with 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 Andrew. I think I think one of the things that we if I remember reading correctly too is he he plays a lot of very a lot of lot of uh, vertical balls. like he likes to get the ball moving forward, not necessarily just sideways, if I remember reading that correctly. so um, I, I, the suggestion from Klopp is, is, I don't know if it's lost in translation, but he says, "Like, look, this guy's going to be starting games for us." So, mm-hmm. I get the sense that this this isn't Plan B. This is kind of Plan A, A1. A one, A A one point one, maybe. Um, I, 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 he's just tidy, and I think that that's exactly what Andrew was saying. You need someone that's there just just to do the donkey work. Like, you go back to the old piano players and carriers and this guy looks like he's got a pretty strong back to me. So um, I, I don't know. That was, it was again, he, he, he came on, you obviously have to remember he came on against, against a team that was, that had full strength when we were down one. And I thought it was interesting. A, a, a formation looked like it became four, three, Soboslai one. Cause he was, he was all over the, he was all over the map. And, and I think he was, he Klopp was on the sideline like screaming at him like, listen, man, we're a man down. You don't need to be making these 30 yard runs. So I don't know. I, I think that he could he could probably it's probably be great as a single six or as a double pivot r- regardless. And he, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him play. I think he's I think he's I think he's probably the the self that we need, not necessarily one that we wanted.
4: Well, he allows you to do something else too, which is if you want to buy a younger midfielder who's multifunctional with potential. You're not talking about an Andre, are you? I, I I might be talking about Andre. I might be talking <laughs> about Ryan Gravenberch. <laughs> Who, who's to say? Um, no, I'm talking about Andre. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, look, I, I I hate trying to troll, like you know, patrol Twitter for narratives because it's just not what I enjoy doing. But the entire premise of we need a second, def- um, you know, solely committed defensive midfielder. Um, we we had one solely committed defensive midfielder for five years in Fabinho. It's it's not a position where there's a lot of specialists in it to begin with. And if you have multiple ways of actually fielding that position, especially knowing that you're a team that's going to have a lot of possession against a lot of teams, sometimes you don't need that defensive out and out six. You need someone who can actually use the ball and he looks like he can use the ball, but there might also be games where he just doesn't play and that's fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the assumptions there when people are clamoring for a second six is that you're going to play, the six for every game and i don't think that's absolutely necessary
4: for for, for liverpool um yeah tiago tiago is going to play the six a lot when healthy that's where he fits here also it takes advantage of the fact that like he's a 32 year old man of decreasing mobility right where do you hide players of decreasing mobility further back you don't put them forward where they actually have to beat men there's a lot
1: riding on in that sentence on when healthy uh it has to be said uh but uh, I do want to forward on with the uh, Bournemouth game um, and say I, I, I like lots of things brought me joy uh, watching it. N- nothing uh, probably maybe first on the list. Uh, well, I thought some of the performances from people like Virgil were very good. Um, but Dominic Saboslay, um, I've, I've sure heard some um, uh, over the top uh, comparisons with Stephen Gerrard already. Um, yeah which is really easy because you were in the same number shirts right but uh what Andrew what 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 do you make of his performance um because it looked like he he actually is is the kind of guy who could be the piano carrier and the piano player at the same time um he looked really very good
0: yes very much so I mean I didn't see the the Bournemouth game um quite as well as I saw the Chelsea game as we were sort of saying before we started yeah. but um, yeah no I i've been impressed with what i've seen of him certainly i think as you say um got a bit of everything about him really and just looks capable just like you know we all know the midfield was was crying out for for legs for running for hard running from the midfield last season and and he's bringing it in a big way and and long may that continue i mean The interesting thing, obviously, with the Bundesliga, I don't know if you know, on their website, you can see data about sprints and distance covered and intensive runs and all this. And it's all that kind of information is kept under lock and key for the Premier League for some reason. But the Bundesliga just shares it on their website. so You can look at what he was doing last season and how he was sort of um, up near the top in a lot of these metrics and things like that. And um, I saw some numbers. I haven't had a chance to watch it properly. But the um, the Liverpool, the LFC TV review show that Neil Mellor does, you know, they were sharing his um his numbers. I saw on a tweet from Neil. I haven't watched the program yet. And his numbers were sort of the same as he was doing in the Bundesliga. And it's like, well, if he's near the top of the Bundesliga and he's doing that for Liverpool, it's only one game, of course. But if he's doing that for Liverpool, then that's fantastic. You know, that's what they've bought, that's what he's doing. He's great on set pieces, as we know, you know, some corners and things like that. Um, set up the um, the chance for Diaz, which probably should have been a penalty at Chelsea. That was his corner and stuff like that. So if he's doing all that sort of stuff, then, yeah, I mean, it's all looking great. I I, I don't really see any sort of downside as yet. Um, but as we say, all, all small samples at this stage, but it's looking very positive.
1: Yeah, uh- if I'd wagered um, small sample size comments, I, I would have wagered we'd have said that much earlier, actually, about the you know, two games. But uh, um, any, anyone uh, with, with thoughts about Big Dog? Oh, well,
4: I'll, I'll get carried away, but I'll liken him to a very, very different footballing legend than Steven Gerrard. He reminds me of Kaka.
3: That's, I was thinking the exact yeah. same thing, Justin. It's the long strides,
4: the creativity. Yeah. Not the hair? Not the hair. Well, okay. the hair actually does a little bit. He grows it out t- a touch. Um, I've, if we I've, if I've heard find the out, yeah. yeah, if we find out he's deeply evangelical, then like you know, maybe it'll really thread the needle there.
1: well, we're gonna find lots out about it because there was this really dumb article on the Athletics website this morning about how he's got small feet and how like his his father apparently made him wear shoes that were smaller, and the inference is that that was to keep his feet smaller because apparently Hungarians. Have this belief. I don't know how widely spread this is. That because Pushkas had small feet, then great players uh, have small feet. Anyway, which yeah. appears to be a bit of a nonsense.
3: But yeah, I've I've heard a lot of the comparisons to like Gerard or or even De Bruyne, and I, I he doesn't like Justin said. He he looks more like a cacao to me, but he, he's actually I think he's been better defensively than than what I expected or what I heard about him when we first bought him. Um, other than the header to like the wrong place for the chelsea goal but i mean i, I think in general uh you know he, he seems pretty pretty well rounded more than i would have expected
2: yeah I'll, I'll say this in both facial features and ball playing ability the man brings moisture to the most of region <laughs> <laughs> And that's
1: probably where we should leave part one. I am reminded, actually, of the quote from Liverpool, which said they were really surprised no one else was in for him. Um, and based on what we've seen, it, it it is surprising that he wasn't kind of more widely touted.
2: I think he's got a bit of a sense of humour on him, too. There was a, a interview after the game, because it was a like their, their, their fullback. Yeah. Apparently he's Hungarian, too. And they said, yeah, I swapped jerseys with him. Now I've got something to dust with. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Okay, all right. Apparently, they're the best two players in Hungary. I read before the game. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I can't think of anyone who's Hungarian footballer, so probably uh, says something. Well, they like, okay,
2: look like parents had to drop him off.
1: Right, he did look young, didn't he? Uh, okay, let's uh, let's end part one there, and in part two, we will come back and talk about some of the trends that uh, uh, Andrew's seeing. Are uh, going to talk about kind of what the, the attack looks like, the midfield, and then the defense. We'll be back. Hey, welcome back to part two of First Aid Copites. Uh In this part, we're going to talk about trends. And you know, we mentioned in the previous segment, there's a small sample size um, with, with two games. Um, but if, we'll let's start with the attack, because that looks the place where we have the most riches. Um, looks like there's a, a, a lot of potential there. Um, I think coming into the season, um, I think there were question marks about uh, Luis Diaz, because he hadn't necessarily come back at, uh, at the way he he'd started, um, Jota, I had kind of question marks about, and there's always question marks about Darwin Nunez uh, until he has a like a thirty goal season. I think that will continue to be the case. What what are you what are you seeing, Andrew, in terms of kind of um, particularly the numbers around those players, and and maybe even kind of looking at, at Mo because struck me that he has not necessarily seemed very sharp at times uh, in these first two games.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair comment. It's it's an interesting one because obviously with the front three we were so spoiled for sort of four or five years of any game more or less. Salah, Firmino, Mane—they'd play, they'd be brilliant together, and you're just not going to get that again. Or you're, you know, it's very unlikely and stuff like that. So I think they're possibly still searching for the best combination of players. Um, I've been working on an article today um, for Anfield Index. I haven't finished it yet, but basically along the lines of. Salah and Jota and Diaz are starting to work together um pretty well. Obviously, you had Salah assisting Diaz at Chelsea. Jota effectively um assisted Diaz in the Bournemouth game um, and stuff like that. And they're linking up well. The first game they ever started was Ajax um at home last season. Um and the first goal in that game was um Diaz passing the Jota, passing the Salah to score. So they seem to have a nice little link up going and they and they and they haven't actually played together much. So that that's sort of encouraging. Um I see obviously you mentioned, you know, about Darwin and stuff and where does he fit into that? I mean, I think he's probably fifth choice of, of the five at the moment for the for the front three, which seems ridiculous when he sort of costs sixty to eighty million depending on add-ons and exchange rates and, and what have you. But that's sort of, you know, potentially record signing and he's and he's sort of fifth choice. But I think One interesting thing I noticed last season and it's held true so far this season, in the first two games is that none of the senior subs has ever been uh, sorry. None of the senior forwards has been an unused substitute. They've all got on the pitch every single time they're in the squad. And last season there were six senior forwards. Now, obviously Jota, Diaz suffered injuries, but the general point is basically if they're available, Klopp is going to use them in every single game. And I think it's difficult to judge at the moment because we're in this early phase of the season where you only have one game a week but before we know it it's going to be Europa League every other week it's going to be League Cup games um, all these sorts of things And I think Darwin is probably going to start all of those and then if he performs well as he may well do slightly easier opposition maybe he gets a start but you know my general thing is thinking that like well they're all going to play in every game it's sort of as much as the starting trio is important because they probably get the first hour, we've got to start sort of looking past that because everybody is going to play and everybody is, uh, is, is going to get an opportunity. So um, I like what I've seen from the, from the three, as I say, but I think everyone's going to get a chance and it it could easily change sort of um, who becomes the, the main front three could change depending on how the games go.
1: Just to think you had an observation.
4: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess, Andrew, I have a question and I want to know if you how you think about this. Um, do you think that there might be something to the fact that Darwin is either not playing for one of two, not starting for one of two reasons, one of which being the defensive work rate, which we know about because you already have Diaz, who's a bit of a mess defensively. So having two defensive forwards who are a mess is a problem when you're a pressing team. But do you also think maybe just the chaos in our midfield probably precludes you from potentially starting him? because again that just is another player who's just not augured to uh playing to a tactical role.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean well it certainly looked that way um last season. Obviously we haven't seen too much of him yet um this time around, but I think that was a big part of the problem last season. Um you know as as much as there were there were issues with the midfield, the Liverpool weren't winning the ball in the final third anywhere near as much, you know, and the 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 front three weren't pressing as well, which brings more pressure on the midfield. That couldn't cope as well. You then have more pressure on Van Dyke and he doesn't look as good. So it's really important for them to get that right at the front, the press and the and the regaining the possession and stuff like that. And Nunes hasn't really looked yet like he can do that. And I think we were all sort of hoping that that by now he would. We obviously don't see what goes on behind the scenes and things like that. But um yeah, I think for me, I you know, for the for the big games, I'd be sort of tempted Salah, um, Gakpo, and Jota as the front three. Cause I think that's probably the best from a from a pressing pressing perspective, but um, we'll have to see how that turns out. But that that's got to be part of the reason why Nunez hasn't been um, selected. I think because he was getting in a lot of great positions last season. You know, he missed some chances that that really he should have taken. But he was he was good from an offensive point of view. So it, it's the defensive thing that's a concern. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and so to to just build on, uh, Justin's point, um, Diaz. It's unlikely we're going to have Diaz and Nunez on the field at the same time. Is that the at least currently, given kind of where they are with their pressing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd have to go back through through last season, but I, you know, I don't think that happened too often. Maybe yeah. it would have if Diaz hadn't got injured. Obviously, um, I think Diaz's last game was that Arsenal game, and they they linked up for a goal and stuff like that. So they were both playing in that game, but um, yeah. yeah, it it could be a bit much. It could be a bit much of an ask for them both to play. Um, because
2: yeah, Diaz doesn't seem to to do quite so much on that front either. I have a question too regarding uh, potential setups. I maybe maybe I'm conflating different games here, but I, I seem to remember that when he was played next to Salah, they actually developed like in close in close proximity, more like a four-four-two situation. He seemed to thrive more with someone closer to him, um, perhaps because of he was he was he wasn't tethered to having to close down as as much from the front when he had help around. But do you think that Klopp might potentially look at changing to a four-four-two? Because the way that we finished the game against Bournemouth, I, I thought if we had have had played that system with Salah uh, more central and then put Dia, uh, put uh, Nunez next to him, I, I I wouldn't have minded seeing that for the last ten minutes of the game just to see if if that's if 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 that is something that they can potentially build upon if they are looking for a plan B going into the season. And I, mean, I think there
0: were. I think there were some games last season where they played four four two, wasn't there, or, or sort of variations um, upon it. It gets hard to remember now that sort of period of the season where trying all these different things and and not too many of them worked, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's good to be to as I sort of mentioned earlier. I think that they need to have these options. You know, I think Liverpool could get away with playing four three three for a number of years. Every sort of similar team every week because they were so good. And unfortunately, they're, they're not at that level at the moment. So having a bit more variety um, is certainly uh, no bad thing as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think uh, Justin tweeted something, uh, I think it was in the last week about um, the that team you're referring to that uh, you know, I'm sure everyone would like us to be uh, got what, 103 points out of 105 in that sequence, what from the end of 2019 through. Um, the 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 pandemic, uh, just for the pandemic, so uh, that that's a, that's a pretty high bar. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the the these guys certainly look like they have a lot of potential. Um, before we finish on the attack, thoughts on Gakpo? Um, I think we're all huge fans of Gakpo, but the midfield role.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll chip in there. I mean, I, yeah, not so much of a fan of uh of him in the. In the midfield, it's probably born out of necessity with with everything going on, as we've said. Um, I thought, you know, I think it's interesting. You there was a there was a moment in the game against Bournemouth where he did this, this pretty good move, but he was going away from goal, and um, you know, it was a nice bit of footwork, and he sort of beat two players and stuff like that. But ultimately, he's going away from goal, and I think he passed the Van Dyke and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas last season, we saw saw him picking up the ball in a similar area, sort of centre circle area, and beating a man and driving towards goal and you know as as impressive as what he did against bournemouth was that you know if he's doing that and going towards our goal you know i'm not i'm not sort of so right. interested in that so um big fan of the player i don't think he's really he's made for the for the midfield certainly in the long term but i guess it is as i say a sort of necessity at the moment with everything else going on but um, no hopefully getting back in the front three sooner rather than later
4: yeah but, yeah and- it's it's a player who you'd like to see have the freedom to drop back rather than have to boot press full and push forward. Like it, it, they're, they're just two completely different mindsets because if you're dropping back into finding space, that's very different than having to just consistently try to run into it and, 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 and you know, occupy a channel rather than having a lot more freedom.
1: Yeah, for sure. Let, let's quickly move on to the midfield, um, the much more lined midfield. Um, I think we have some different opinions here, but love to get your take on, um, if if we don't sign another midfielder um, um I, I was looking for a uh, for, for some fury there from Sean but he's being very passive right now um uh, 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 do you think we'll be okay <laughs> that's based on kind of the uh, like the players I think we've got in the in the midfield now um you know sending offs notwithstanding a really good history on on availability um compared with the bunch that left.
0: Yeah, that's it. I think um, I would certainly like Liverpool to sign one more. Um, I think they could possibly get away with it um, if they didn't, for the reason that you say, you know, the availability of the new guys. Um, I think I'm right in saying that, like, McAllister, for instance, played more minutes than Fabino and Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain and Milner put together last season. Now, ideally, he doesn't have to play quite so often and he can have a rest every now and again with Liverpool. But, you know, the point is, they don't necessarily need the bodies they had last season, purely because these guys should, touch wood, fingers crossed, be available far more often. Now, equally, I still think they should go for somebody else because there's still unknown quantities as a, as a unit and as a team. We were saying earlier, Endo looks encouraging, but we don't quite know how he's going to settle. McAllister and Saboslai both look very good, but they haven't played together much. So there's, there's still a lot of question marks, which would make me happier if there was another player um in there but i think because of the good fitness records of the guys that they have signed it need not be the end of the world if they don't but it it, it is a risk and we've seen liverpool take these risks before and then backfire so um you know one more would be would be my preference
1: yeah well i know we we talked on a couple of recent episodes about possible names and andre is certainly one of the names we've floated around um there there's, there seems to be kind of ongoing chat around Gravenberch, although there's no indication by munich want to let him go uh and decorre who I'll be quite honest yesterday was the first time i've paid much attention to him and he seemed alright i'm not sure i think he's worth 70 million what what what's your take on 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 the possible options
0: yeah, it's interesting just with the options. I mean, I, I sort of have no no preference for them, but again, it's, I think, it, did James Pearce or someone say today they're not sort of actively targeting a, a defensive midfielder? And again, you, you know, they're sort of being linked with these guys who aren't really defensive midfielders or maybe play there a little bit and maybe do a bit more sort of what you consider traditional central midfield. I mean, obviously someone like DeCoure was doing a different role for his former club. I forget who, then he's been doing for Crystal Palace and stuff like this. And, Obviously, being able to to be good in the, in a number of different re, uh, different areas is is obviously fantastic. But I think most Liverpool fans look at the team and think that they need to be signing a, a you know very much a defensive midfielder. It appears the club don't look at it that way, which is just sort of really interesting. Whether they think Bajic like, is the the long term solution there, I mean, I think he's certainly got potential to be, but. Obviously, very young and, and and hasn't played all that much senior football yet and stuff like that. So um, yeah, as I say no real preference, but it, it's sort of interesting to me the type of player they're being linked with, as much as who the players themselves are.
1: Yeah, yeah. One also wonders whether the PS article was was more of the damping down of expectations that we're going to spend lots of money for people <laughs> we might want to buy players from. Um, okay, uh, any any thoughts on the midfield? Um, anyone else? And then, or or we'll talk about the defense. I'm really interested in talking about kind of Trent and Virgil's numbers, if we can detect anything from that this season.
3: So my thought on it, because you mentioned it is that I would like us to send another player that that can comfortably play defensive midfield. Um and talked earlier. If we stay with the current formation, maybe you can get away with it with Tiago and Bachetic, but you know, we were also just talking like we might be better off not going with that formation. So if we're doing that, then we need a six or at least a player that can fill in regularly as a six. I like, you know, what I, what I've seen. I, I don't think you can take too much from Endo's performance. 27 minutes from Klopp. City he was like not fully rested and, and lack in sleep and everything else. Um, but I like what Andrew was saying, just in terms of being a steady Eddie, like that's probably fine with the eights we have now, but um, I guess I'm not comfortable uh, um, with a, a, a lack, what I would consider kind of a lack of reliable depth there. Um, I love Tiago, but, you know, he gets injured a lot, and I don't, I wouldn't want to rely on Vashti there. I also don't think we necessarily need to be spending $75 million on on Um but we also have the money, so if it's a position we really need, you know, I, I don't know. There's some debate there. I, I don't know much about Andre. I've seen highlights. He looks great, but it, it kind of seems like we not we might not be able to get him until January. I guess there's some debate about that. Um, I think we'd have to pay like 40 million euro to get him this summer, which seems like a lot. But um I think I think even if we don't bring anybody else in, we we have a team that should finish top four. I, I would kind of expect us to finish second or third. It's just if we got one more in defensive midfield, I think that would improve us a great, you know, a, a great deal. To where it would be more comfortable for us to finish. You know, I, I guess I don't really think we're going to challenge um, for the league. So my expectation. I would love it to happen, but um, I think we could significantly improve the team if we added one more.
1: That's much more mildly put than your 15 messages yesterday about what we <laughs> needed to do next. Right?
4: Yeah, I was I was getting ready to respond, but the comment about you know, you, just because you have 110 million dollars, uh, hundred and ten million pounds that you were going to spend on Casado doesn't mean you should spend 70 on Czech Ducore. But you well, I think took the for, wind out of my sails. A large portion <laughs> of our fan base is, is
2: suffers from magpie syndrome. Like we're just obsessed with shiny new things it's and to Justin's point, it's like this value versus cost. I think the club now is going to say like, well, you know, we, we kind of have what we need. And I honestly believe that this team is going to go. Will we'll, you'll see then probably after the international break, just how good this team can potentially be. Cause we're building, we're building that midfield plane while we're flying it. And that's what Andrew was saying is. Like it's going to take them a second to gel. And you've just added another cog to that, to that, that machine. So it's going to take them a few minutes. I just, to buying to have is is kind of Chelsea mentality, and I think that we, we got carried away with that 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 billionaire dick swinging uh, Caicedo thing that went on there, that because like, that was that was essentially like it, 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 the way that we've done business in the past. This is like it was kind of a big a big move away from from it, and I think that that was that was entirely two two billionaires like look like staring down, st- trying to stare each other down to see who would blink first, because. I know, like the shade and fruit of, of watching of watching him give away a penalty and his and his very first very first at bat, so to speak, was 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 wonderful. He's going to be a good player for them, but it was it was nice to see that that that, that they, they essentially look like they've been lumbered with a hundred and fifteen million pound uh price tag. And I don't know if you guys saw Brighton's uh, Brighton's tweet. Yeah, yeah, all sales are final. <laughs> <No> return. <Yeah. laughs> know return. They've they've
3: cashed in a lot on Chelsea the last couple of years.
4: Yeah, you know what it is it's this right people will make the comment that like uh if you always wait for the right player you're just waiting forever right and there, there's some truth to that right at some point you do have to compromise if you don't think you're going to land the right player on the other hand it's actually the the dumbest thing you could do in the transfer market is buying the wrong player for way too much money and yeah, just because you 110 million that you would be willing to spend on Casado, right um who, who that which you know it's an inflated price, but, you know, the entire premise there is maybe he's a generational midfielder. Check the core is not a generational midfielder. You shouldn't be spending generational midfielder money on him. He was very, very good at, um, and to give you the information, Andrew, Lens in the French League. Yeah, um, yeah. He was very good there, but, like, you know, that very good earned him a promotion to being a Premier League midfielder, which is fine. That's That's a, there's not very many of them, but it doesn't mean that he's worth generational midfielder money and it's a mistake that we really can't afford to make because you know it's questionable as to whether or not darwin comes good and that's a mistake that if he doesn't that's a mistake that's going to set us back several years Mm -hmm. yeah
3: yeah so i I just one more thing i'd add there because i mentioned a bunch of times in the chat is um the one thing i i kind of go back to with all these discussions that we we haven't bought very many disappointing or bad players i mean i guess darwin is potentially one but we don't know how that's going to turn out He seems incredibly physically talented um but so i mean I, I keep going back to that like all this you know rumor and all this kind of stuff at the end of the day we we usually buy pretty darn good players you know so that's something to kind it, of it's because we look at there. sample size yeah. <laughs> well, right. We could, and that's true. We could buy more players probably should have the last couple of years, but um, you know, it's also, um...
4: I mean, people have been joking that we should go out and buy Lou Caba or not Lukeba, um, the um, because a player that Brighton are buying to replace Caicedo. Yeah. He has six nineties. Yeah. They're going to spend 40 million pounds on him. He has six professional nineties. Yeah. Let Brighton take that risk. You don't need to take that <laughs> risk.
1: <laughs> wow. That is a big risk for them, actually, because usually they sign much lower value. Well, oh, that's, do you talk-
4: that's, I mean, that's what Caicedo was.
1: <laughs> yeah, $4 million, though. $4 Caicedo. Yeah. Um, Do you want to talk about the defense? Um, Anything, Andrew, you can tell us about... So the narrative is, we're well, one injury away from a disaster. Um uh, and, and I think... I personally believe this much, makes much more sense to spend whatever they're going to spend next on a defender um, than it does to spend on a midfielder. Um, what what should you take? Well, two things. Virgil looks, looked very solid in the first two games. Um, I don't know if there's any data that's out there about him running faster or making more, but it, it's, it's certainly to the eye, he's looked better than he did um, for most of the season last year. Uh, and uh, and to my mind, T- Trent has been better than the average pundit would tell you um, for for quite a while now. But uh, again, I don't know what the numbers told you about his performance last year when you know he was supposedly awful uh, every game.
0: Yeah, it's sort of tricky one to measure both of those things. I mean, I, I sort of ag- I agree with your sort of general point. I mean, you know, people criticising Trent has been a theme of his career. So I mean, that that doesn't really sort of tell us anything. They were doing that when. Liverpool were winning, you know, 103 points from 105 or whatever it was, you know, that that's going to happen. I mean, it, it, it is hilarious when you see the mistakes that other players um, make, you know, similar players, broadly similar players like Rhys James, someone like that, plenty of mistakes, but it never seems to get brought up in anywhere anywhere near the same amount. Um, I think Van Dijk, uh, yeah, I think he does look better. I think um, we, we sort of seem to forget that he was out for the best part of a year and then came back and played... Near enough every game in a quadruple bid. I mean, to get through that, you know, it's somewhat inevitable that there would probably be a bit of a of a drop off. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, you you don't sort of get the the uh, sort of uh, intensity and in running stats for the Premier League, unfortunately. But it would it would be interesting to see those. I mean, if if you're saying are we one injury away from disaster? I mean, obviously, sort of touching on defenders there. I mean, I think an Allison injury would certainly be something of a disaster with with his form uh, in recent years. I mean as much as the defences look better, you know, I think Chelsea had five clear cut chances um, in the game, in the one all draw. So we could very easily be, be looking at a defeat there. But of course, Alisson did what he always does and and sort of minimise the damage and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, you know, I still, I still think we're a we're an Alisson injury away from, you know, if not disaster, because I, I do rate Kelleher. Clearly he's not as good as Alisson that, you know, that's no slight on him. So, um, you know, that, that would be my sort of concern really at the back, but um as I said before, it's sort of like a team thing. I think if the attack looks better, the midfield looks better. If the midfield looks better, the defence looks better. You know, we're a front foot team. And that's ultimately, that's sort of ultimately how we play. But um, still some concerns. It's going to be a tough test against um, Newcastle. I mean, I don't know if you saw their game with with Villa, but basically they kept exploiting Aston Villa's high line and, and Liverpool obviously play tend to play with the high line. So, you know... We'll get on to the Newcastle game, I'm sure. But, you know, what they did to Aston Villa, you could think they could possibly do to Liverpool. So that that's a bit of a concern. But, um, yeah, sort of seeds of encouragement. But then, as I say, they're, they're still doing what they always seem to do, which is not give up many chances, but give up high-value chances. And 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 to succeed with that, you need Alisson to be on his A game every every week, which he is, more or less. But, um, you know, it's uh, it's risky in it and it still looks risky to me at this point.
1: Uh, and but you are you similarly mind that they could usefully add another essentially, hopefully left sided centre back.
0: I think so. I mean, a lot a lot may depend on how they if they're planning to stick with this sort of tactical thing because obviously you've you've then got sort of Robertson as a de facto centre back, which doesn't really suit him as much as he's defensively strong. You know, we saw the Chelsea game; they had uh, Rhys James and and Raheem Sterling sort of ganging up on Robertson, which you know, unsurprisingly, he didn't. Wasn't flawless against because they're two very good players and it's sort of outnumbering him and stuff like that. But I think, yeah, I think most people would say that a, that a left-sided centre back would be a uh, would be would be a necessary addition. As similarly to the midfield, they could probably manage without one. But we're w- sort of at this point because Liverpool have backed themselves into a corner of of only going for the right player, which their record sort of justifies. As we were saying, they don't tend to sign bad players, but. They've gone on so long without buying many players that they've kind of backed themselves into the corner that I think it is time for them to buy a, a left-sided centre back, even if they could probably yeah. um survive and, and do pretty well without one.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh and th- there is some suspicion that they Levi Colwell was the guy they were after. And now they that's not an option. They don't have a a, a plan B. So okay. What, what why don't we end the part two there? Um and then we'll, we'll come back and do a, a kind of ra- round table on Newcastle away. We'll talk about team selection and our expectations for that game. Hey, welcome back to part three of First Day Copites. Uh, we're going to focus on the Newcastle game. It's uh, it's on... I keep. Being confused about this but it's on Sunday um, last game in August actually um, we talked in in ab- about team selection which has been the same for the first two games uh, we'll kind of go around I'll start again with you again Andrew thoughts about team selection for the Newcastle game um, when it, it seems obvious that we probably want to be a bit more solid and I think you had earlier suggested that a more solid might be a Salah Gakpo Jota uh, front three Um want to expand on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I'd go with because I think that's the best um, pressing front three that, that we've got, particularly Gakpo and and Jota. Um, obviously, Salah um, does bits in that. I mean, he certainly is better than when he first came in, but isn't, you know, probably quite as strong as, as I'm sure clock would ideally. Like, um, I guess, as is often the case, the midfield is going to be the big question because obviously we don't know at this point if McAllister is going to be available to play. And if he's not, does Endo make his first start? You'd have to assume so. But obviously, that's a, it's a tough game for a first start and, and things like that. I'm sure the back four say the same and obviously Alisson in goal. So for me, it's it's the midfield. Um, and yeah, that's a really tricky one. I'm glad it's not me that has to pick it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'll go to you next, Daz, but I think it's probably fair based on what we know of... Um the FA's treatment of us that uh, McAllister will not probably be available for this one. Um, thoughts about how to cover that up?
2: I think regardless of it, uh, end or starts, um, simply because you need some, you, you need that anchor and you can say what you want. If it, it It is probably is a bit of a risk because it's a big game. It's away from home. Um, but I, I think, I think he's going to have to trust what you're going to have to, you're going to have to dance to the one that you brought, so to speak. And I think that that's why we brought him. So he's, I think that your midfield three was with, if, if, if McAllister was, wasn't, wasn't suspended. My suspicion is that they'll probably knock it down to one game because it was, if you look at it in the cold light of day, it's not a, it's it's not a potential career ending injury. It's, I I think that they're, that they get out of jail free card will be like, okay, yeah, you're right, shouldn't be three, it'll be one. That's my that's my sense, but again, it's it's Howard Webb, and I do believe that his legs still stick out Fergie's bed, so it. I think that I think that that, that that's the compromise that they'll strike, but regardless, I think that he probably still would have started endo. Um, up top, it's it's a tough one because I agree with Andrew 100. You need a a mid a a, a a a very very high pressing, high intensity front three. And Luis Diaz can be a bit of a, a Labrador puppy at points when you need him to be to, to show a bit more tactical discipline. But it's, it's tough to sit him. He scored two and two. Um yeah I, 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 might, I might agree with Andrew. Like it's it's it really is it really is a, a tough choice. But I think the midfield will probably be Jones, Endo and and Soboslai.
3: Yeah.
2: And then up front I'd I'd in my heart of hearts, I I hope that Andrew's correct, but I, I think that he might leave Lewis Diaz in, especially if he's going to play Jones on the left hand side.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that's worth bearing in mind is uh, they've uh, I know they they've have added um, players, but I, I, essentially it was the same um, back four that's played for them in the last two games. as was playing last season, um, and they did not enjoy um, people running at them when we played against them in that away game last year. Um, and people running at them would include Diaz and, and um Darwin Nunez. Sean, what do you?
3: Well, yeah, I mean playing Dan Byrne at left back, I don't know, like, you know, if they're not sitting too deep, we could potentially take advantage there. I, I agree with that Daz on the midfield. That's the midfield I would hope for, I guess. And then um would hope that we start back nine and either Jota or diaz on the wing um yeah i mean it should be a tough test but um yeah i hope i hope we we come at it maybe a little bit differently than we did at chelsea um you know in terms of just trying to be more defensively secure and not maybe not being quite as aggressive
1: we we have um it's worth saying we've we've won on our last two visits to uh St James's Park. Um I don't know how many people have got that record. Um somehow feels an easier place for us to play than Stamford Bridge. I don't know I don't know why that is, but it always seems to be the case. Hoping that's the case this year too. <laughs> Justin, any any builds on who we think should be playing?
4: Yeah, I mean the issue you're going to have is I think there's almost no chance that you're going to see McAllister's red car get overturned because, um, it, it that's that, that's a cartel, they're not interested in uh actually dispersing their duties fairly. So, um, I, you know, once the referees protect themselves and suspend uh, McA- uh Alexis McAllister for eight percent of the season for an entirely innocuous challenge, um, uh, uh, Jones didn't train today, so if Curtis Jones is remotely healthy, you have to play him. But I, I, I would actually. It, it, unless he's in a wheelchair, I'm um, starting Tiago with this game. <laughs> uh, he's, he's your best, at, he's, he's your best and possibly the league's best player at actually possessing the football, which I think is going to be extremely important when you're going against, you know, Grimmarish and uh, Tonali who are both two guys who are both quite physical and also really kind of like to run with the ball and in particular Grimmarish. So I would, I, I want, I want safety and possession for my midfield. Um, I, I do think that there's gonna, you know, if, if, if you look at a lot of media, people were gonna malign the crap out of Diogo Jota constantly because it's not the prettiest, but it's the most effect. But it is actually the most effective we have besides Salah because he's on, what on a goal contribution every 118 minutes as a Liverpool player in the Premier League, which is pretty good. Um, but I, I I play him. I'm playing him through. I'm playing him on the left. I'm playing Gakpo through the center, and I'm playing Salah. I could actually see. Jota Darwin and Sala also being a useful thing here because you would push Newcastle back with Darwin on the pitch. He did hurt them last season, um, when we played against them. Uh, actually, well, he didn't play against them in the home game because he was still suspended, but he really did hurt them at St. James's Park last season. And, uh, I do you think in a game where in reality, this I think this one might be just a race to one? I, I I'm I'm intrigued to play the guy who can destroy and who can maybe get in behind them and give them something to worry about. I'm also hoping for the return of an old pattern, Eddie Howe playing into Liverpool's hands.
3: <laughs> I've got some breaking news here, actually, guys. Alexis McAllister's suspension has been overturned, so he's going to be available to play this weekend. Oh, okay,
1: let's redo the segment. Okay,
4: great. Watari oh. all- <laughs> uh, Great. Your midfields, Watariu end is dominant line and Alexis McAllister. <laughs> great. Your mid, your midfield, then so your midfield problems are solved.
1: Is that a reliable source Sean, Just to be clear, the infill
4: wrap. Oh, uh,
3: okay. Great. Liverpool FC. Okay. Yeah. Will not receive a suspension after successful appeal against red card. Uh, take, yeah. take so that. The, the, take the, the official account tweeted it. So.
1: Okay. Lovely. Yeah. Um. I think that affords us a bit Look
3: more. MacArthurity. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Can you, can you, uh, Andrew? Can you, can you, can you tweet same thing out and just yeah, yeah, Infantino
3: yeah. yeah, yeah. with yeah, Paul
1: Tierno Tierno? Tierno <laughs> Paul Tierney, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cut and paste Infantino Paul Tierney, yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Uh, okay, well, um, that's obviously changed a bit about. Uh, I, th- I mean, I think that allows us to be a little more. Um, maybe not as, as defensive in the front three, but we'll see. We'll see. I think uh, that makes Nunez think more of a shout than uh, it would have been if he had not been available.
3: We might Um, be able to play McAllister at the eight, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, Tiago and Endo. Yeah. That'd be fun to see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So uh, (laughs) based on that, uh, we're not going to re-record the whole of that previous segment, but expectations (laughs) in terms of, you know, what, what what do you think we get out of this? uh, I, I hear, you know, Sean's, I don't think we're in a title chase. Mm, I'm not sure that's true. Um, so I'm I'm more optimistic than not. Well, my going in position would be, I, I think a point wouldn't be a bad result uh, away here, despite what I've said. Um, what, what, what do you expect? We've been way off, by the way, Andrew, so uh, for, for um, every game <laughs> this season. Uh, did, oh, did you say 3-1 about the Bournemouth game?
2: I said a comfortable two 0 Now, so if you remove those two goals, it was indeed <laughs> yeah. a two 0 I also called five five against Chelsea, and it ended up being a draw. So I'm in the ballpark.
3: <laughs> okay, okay. one one.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess you got the <laughs> points total right. Okay, all right. What yeah. what, what are your uh, what are your expectations um, for for uh, for Sunday?
2: Snap your hand off for a one one, but I've got a sneaking suspicion we burgle one two one. Okay. Carvajal makes a makes an appearance from Germany and wins it for us.
1: <laughs> it's a Sabozli rocket from thirty yards. Um, I love that. Yeah, Andrew, what do you, what do you um, think about the weekend, the Newcastle game?
0: Yeah, similar really. I don't, I'm not sure I'd take a point right now because I think that Liverpool can win as they as they've proved. I think it's nine wins and four draws from the last thirteen with Newcastle. Okay. Um, so I, I wouldn't take a point, but I don't think it would be a, a disastrous result because you know if they get out unbeaten and then they've been to Chelsea and they've been to Newcastle, more difficult away games to come um, fairly soon and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I'd, I'd be re- happy enough with a point, but I, I honestly think Liverpool can can win. I think that um, they've proven they can beat Newcastle. And and most teams haven't, to be honest, lately. I mean, I think, was it only Liverpool and Manchester City won at Newcastle in the last 18 months or something like that? Like, it, they don't lose at home very often. Yeah, And yet Liverpool won their, you know, 2-0 up inside 20 minutes last season and, and, uh, and won quite easily. So I think Liverpool can win, but, yeah, a,
3: a point wouldn't be uh, the end of the world. Yeah. Sean? Feeling optimistic now. This McAllister news. We can play him and Dom at the eight because nobody's really seen it yet. Yeah. Um, So I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be overly optimistic and say three one. Okay. What have you well- done
2: with Sean? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to score a lot of goals this year. Mm-hmm. I, I I worry about our defensive okay. solidity, but I think we're going to score a lot of goals.
1: I think the McAllister news has made him giddy. I think that's what it's called. It, yeah. it has. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> um, so, just Puppet a
1: fa- p- final word with you in terms of expectations.
4: Uh, I mean, I just can't believe that the Mets are finally going to use this weekend to sweep it. This week to sweep it. Wrong podcast. Um, <laughs> no, I think I think I we're going to win. Like I said, I said earlier, I think it's going to be a race to one. I think that this is going to be a. I think I think we I think we're going to win this game 1-0. and I think I'm going to lose my mind in the course of it.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm hoping for the continuation of the pattern because we two years ago, we won 1-0. Uh, last year, it was 2-0. So, hey, I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm hoping for a, a 3-0. But uh, I recognize that Newcastle might pose us uh, a couple of problems. But um, with McAllister, yeah. Okay. Um, before we're done, Andrew, just a, a quick word on what you're up to these days, uh, just so people can kind of keep following you. Um, look, Tell me again, because I know I asked this question before. Um, I know you're freelancing, but who are you working with right now?
4: Yeah,
0: so I'm working for Tompkins Times on the post-match stuff there, Anfield Index, um, Liverpool.com. I do betting previews and stuff like that. I'm doing a podcast tomorrow with, with Pinnacle about that um so yeah lots of lots of sort of different places and, and things obviously quite a lot of it liverpool based so um yeah if people sort of follow me on twitter i share everything on there that's probably the best way because life as a freelancer means you end up you know writing and podcasting in all kinds of places so it's quite quite hard to keep track of but uh, yeah share it all on social media so um people can find all the stuff there
1: and your handle's is bass tuned to red right
0: that is correct yes okay. but um yeah. hopefully search andrew beasley and I, and I think i should come up
1: Okay, cool, cool. Thanks, thanks, Andrew. Um, Well, I'm surprised uh, you mentioned Tompkins' Times, and I'm surprised we didn't bring up some referee chat, actually. Um, I don't know if you (laughs) contributed to that that incredible piece of work, but, uh, yeah, Um, who says referees are biased? So uh, we'll be back next week with a review of the Newcastle game. Uh, and I'll look ahead to Villa at Home which will pose some interesting challenges uh, no doubt thanks so much Andrew again for, for joining us uh, and thanks to Daz Sean and Justin and thank you dear listener for uh, spending some time with us thank you if you enjoyed the podcast please share it with a friend follow us at First Day Copsites on Twitter, we only tweet and retweet from sources we think are credible. Finally, Music is courtesy of Hypnotic, they're a Welsh electro pop band, and you can find them at https://forward slash forward slash hypnotic. Hypnotic is H Y P
3: E N O T I C. Thanks so much to them.